Almighty God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we are indeed grateful that you brought us together in the Lord's house on this Lord's Day, where we, the people redeemed by the precious blood, sit under the authority of your word and learn from you. Heavenly Father, as the servant looked to the master and the maiden looked to her master, here we are, O God, looking to you. Feed us, O God, with your spiritual mana. Enrich us, O God, that we may know who you are. Increase our faith and our devotion and our love for you. I thank you, dear Lord, for each person, those who are here, and we commit our life and our time in your loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tim. All right. It's a quite a subject. I would like to cover it, and it is going to be like a seminary class. So I want you to pay close attention because it is going to be very, very rich in your spiritual understanding because you don't, seminary people don't teach this kind of teaching what I'm going to teach you. I never learned it from seminary. Thank God that the Lord opened my eyes after we came here. And now I really enjoy every bite of the word. And I hope you will enjoy every bite as I as we look into. Well, the last Lord's Day, we started the new subject called the life of Jesus Christ, the ministry and the life of Jesus Christ. And it is so wonderful that we are thinking about Christmas. We're thinking about Christmas that what happened when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we call it Christmas. And the verse we were looking into, that John chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among, no, sorry, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word is God, right? That's the, that's the word we look into. And then chapter 1, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John says, we beheld his glory. After 90, he was about 94 to 95 years of age in the island of Patmos. As he looked back, he just could see nothing but the glory of Christ. As he was seeing with his own personal eyes, you can see in the witness, as he was writing in the first John, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have handled, I, I talk about you the concerning the word of God. That was his testimony about Christ. Well, the, when we talk about the, uh, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ coming into this world, we, we talked about the infinite, infinite, glorious, infinite God became finite. Invisible God became visible. Transcendent God became imminent. That which was far off, now we can behold as Simeon looking, in, holding infant Jesus in his hand. And he said, my eyes have seen the salvation of Israel. That was his testimony about Christ. And oh, what a privilege 
to now know what Jesus Christ was. And uh, when we talk about uh, uh, Christ becoming man, listen to this. This is very, very important statements what I'm going to make. Meet the union of the two natures in person of Christ is one of the great mysteries of our faith. Our faith, when we talk about the word became flesh, that is, he be, uh, this, that uh, he was, uh, he was, he is, and the God man, his deity, though whale was never laid aside his heaven, his humanity, though sinless was the real humanity. Well, the question comes, and this is a very important question. As the word, he is the son of God. As the flesh, he is the son of man. Now, what did he accomplish? Listen very carefully. What did Christ accomplish by becoming man? What did he accomplish by becoming man or son of man or, or incarnation? Three things he accomplished, okay? Ready? Listen to this. The word being made flesh, first, it was now possible for Jesus to die. It was possible for Jesus to die. That is number one. Secondly, he can now be Touch with the feelings of our infirmities. What a glorious God we have. He is not in heaven, but he came. He experienced what you and I would experience. He is not the captain who never played the game and asking the players to play. He did it everything and he said, follow me. Follow me. So now he is touched with infirmities. So when you are hurting, he understands. When Lazarus died, he came and he wept. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, He now, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So number one, now because of he becoming incarnation, now he can die. Now he can touch with the infirmities of our feelings. And thirdly, he left an example for us that we may follow him First uh, Peter chapter one verse twenty one. First Peter chapter one verse twenty one. So now the incarnation does not mean that God dwelt in man. Listen to this very carefully. The incarnation does not mean that God dwelt in a man, but God became man. God became man. That is the point. That is the point we need to concentrate and understand. And the word became flesh. The miracles recorded illustrate and demonstrate the great God, the word, the savior who came, who became flesh. He has left several Example in the scripture so we can know that he is God. He is God. Well, when he turns the water into wine, what does it mean? Who can do that? Not man. God. A God can turn water into by the word. 
if he can create the world out of his word <laughs> he can do anything he can do anything you remember the noble noble man's son was sick and father came and pleaded and what did jesus say go your son is healed and he took his word as he was on his way the people came he your son is recovered he's completely healed what time the same time that jesus told your son is healed who can do that not man but god in john chapter 5 at the at the porch of the bethesda you remember that man who was lying there for 38 years what did jesus say rise and walk a command who can give command the one who has made everything who has made everything jairus daughter is dead jairus daughter is dead and jairus invited or the family invited the mourner so they were mourning for the lost daughter and here comes jesus and says your daughter is not dead what what ludicrous he is he invited us to weep for her and now he says that is why did you invite us and what did jesus says rise up she came a widow's son named luke chapter 17 they were taking the whole coffin to the cemetery and he just touched he came out from the coffin and lazarus dead for four days and jesus said lazarus come out had he not used lazarus all the grave would have come out right so jesus used the word lazarus just come out so all these things reminds us that the word was god the word was god now one of the things i'm going to tell you now my friends is so powerful uh philippians chapter 2 verse 7 that is one of the verses so beautiful that uh, i don't want you to turn because we have a very limited time and i have so much to give you so you just listen because i wrote everything here philippians chapter 2 this is the doxology paul is giving about christ oh beloved oh so wonderful so wonderful uh the the, the scripture says but made oh sorry oh coming out is a blessings and also i don't want to use that all right this is very very important friends and my prayer is please give close attention to the every word and not only that but if you have any questions i'm here to answer pastor here is the here to answer very very important So now let's travel. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 says, but made himself, this is King James version, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself, uh, took upon him the form of a, a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Think about that. Let me write, repeat again. But made himself, that is Christ, of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man this is king james version now 
a Greek literal translation of this verse reads like this, and I want you to listen to this. But emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, having become in the likeness of men. King James Version says that himself of no reputation, literal Greek translation says, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Although he was absolutely full of, uh, all, uh, so, sorry, although he was absolutely full of deity, that means he was absolutely God, he emptied himself of all of its prerogatives. Prerogatives. Now, the word emptied, very carefully listen to this, or made himself of no reputation, a new King James Version says, emptied is the word from Greek word from kenu, kenu, which means empty completely. Completely, like, where is my bottle? Yeah. This is the bottle, right? I'm not going to pour out here, but imagine that emptying completely. So when you empty completely, what do you have? Nothing. Nothing. So, Keep that in mind. He emptied his canoe, which means he emptied completely. It is translated nullified. Nullified. That word Paul uses in Romans chapter 4, verse 14. Let me read for you, and you listen carefully. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. So if the person becomes the heir by the work, then faith is no good. Faith is no good. That's what the word says here. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, nothing. And the promise made of no effect, of no effect. Now let me read Greek translation. For if the heirs are of, of law, faith had made no effect, and the promise has been nullified. That is, the promise has been void. Have you ever void your check? Have you ever void the check? What does it mean? No good. Even if you write a million dollars and say void, no good. All the promises are... If a person becomes the heir in the kingdom of God and all the promises God has given us by faith, by faith, by faith, is void. Is void. That's what it says here. For Christ, then 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me, Paul writes, to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in the wisdom of the words, that the cross of Christ not be, be nullified. If I preach the gospel by the wisdom of my own, then the cross of Jesus Christ is void. That's what he says. That's what he says. So when Christ emptied himself, he, according to the Greek translation, he emptied himself of all his prerogatives. 
Jesus Christ emptied himself completely of every vestige of advantages and the privileges, refusing to assert any divine rights, any divine rights on his behalf. He was he, he who created and owned everything, forsook everything. My friends, this is mind-boggling. The one who created by his own word. The Bible tells us that he owned the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, Psalm number 50 verse 10. Psalm number 50 verse 10. He owned the cattle on a thousand hills. Um, Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says the silver and gold is mine, says the Lord. Psalm number 24 verse 1 says the earth and the fullness thereof is mine. And here he owned everything and yet when he emptied himself, he, he had no place to lay his head. Can you fathom? Can your mind fathom? In Luke chapter 9, verse 55, 56 says, The foxes have a holes and the birds have a nest, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. At the end of the day, beloved, you go to home and you lie down in your own bed. My Lord had no place to lay his head. When he was tired, he borrowed the boat and he rested. When he wanted to eat, he went to the sycamore tree. Zacchaeus was there. Come down, Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat with you. When he was buried, he has to borrow the tomb, tomb and he, he was buried. My Lord owned everything and he had nothing. That was the he prerogative. He left everything. That very thought would lead us on our knees with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. That's why, friends, salvation is not cheap. Salvation is not cheap. Jesus emptied himself only of certain aspects of his prerogatives of deity, not of his deity itself. He was never anything and he never will be anything, but fully and eternally God, as Paul was so careful in writing in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, this is what he says, who being in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to think about something to think about even though he was a former we are living in a time where everybody would like to become something when my lord was everything and became nothing that is the paradox that is called the paradox the corn of wheat fall into the ground and dies then only brings forth fruit that is the paradox For all four gospel makes it clear that he did not forsake his divine power to perform the miracles. He did not forsake. When he became incarnate, he did not forsake his divine power. Let me explain to you and you follow carefully.
in Mark chapter 2, Jesus came into the house, and the house was packed with people. And there were four people who brought their friend. You remember paralytic man? They brought him. They, they had no place. So they, they lowered from the top to the bottom where Jesus Christ was sitting. My Bible tells us in Mark chapter 2 verse 5 that when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, whose faith? That four men's faith. And what did he say? Son, your sins are forgiven. And then in 7 and verse 8, those crit critics of Christ scratch their head and say, who in the world do you think he is? Who can forgive sin but God? Who can forgive sin? Even they recognize, but God. But they were wailed to see the glory of Christ. They could have knelt on their knees and said, thank you, you are the Messiah we were waiting for. Because they wanted Messiah according to their own likeness. That's why they rejected him, finally crucified him. Who can forgive sin but God? Well, he was God incarnated. Who can see the heart? <laughs> not me, not you. You remember? The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 45, uh, sorry, John chapter 2 and verse 47. People believed, Bible tells us, but Jesus did not believe them. Why? Because they believed the miracle, not the Son of God. They believed, but Jesus did not put, uh, uh, Jesus did not believe. Well, that's so wonderful, so wonderful. Uh, he could not take, he could not have died for the sins of the world if he would not have a, uh, himself, uh, if he had not be a God. You understand, friends? Let me say it again. Had he stopped being God, the Bible tells us, no way. No, he could not have died for the sins of the world. He would have perished on the cross and remained in the grave with no power to conquer sin and death. But because he was God, he came out. You know, my friends, he conquered death by his own death. Oh, beloved, this very thought should keep you on the bench and say, Hallelujah! He conquered death by his own death. What did Paul say? Oh, death, where is your victory? Once upon a time, death was laughing because death was controlled by the evil. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says that. That he is holding the fear and the power of death. But Jesus Christ conquered death by his own death. And the Paul says, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Thanks be to the Lord and Jesus Christ who conquered the death. That's why, beloved, for believer, listen to this. For the believer, death is no big deal. Death is no big deal because death has been swallowed up in 
victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. In no wonder, my friends, when our loved one, we buried them, we say good night because there is going to be a good morning. There is going to be a good morning. When I lowered my dad in the grave, said, Dad, good night. Because I knew there is going to be good morning. If Christ had not conquered the death, we would have been miserable. Why would we come here then? That's why we worship the living God. Okay. Uh, 20 minutes, I don't think I can cover all five points, but I will try. He emptied himself of five divine rights. He emptied himself five divine rights. Number one. Number one. First, he temporarily took off himself his divine glory. He laid aside his divine glory. That itself is a mind-boggling thought. That he laid aside the divine glory. <clears throat> Before his arrest in the upper room, in high priestly prayer, my Lord lifted up his eyes into the heaven. And John writes in chapter 17 and verse 1. These words he spoke. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that the son also may glorify thee. Father, glorify thy son. And then? Four verse later, in verse 5, this is what he said. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine, o, thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. My dear beloved, this is, we are talking about the eternality of Christ. I am he that I am. Before Abraham I was. Before Abraham I am. And they pick up the stone. What they could have done, they could have on their knees and say, we worship you, Christ. You are God. But they didn't want that God. They wanted God according to their own likeness. Do we have a people like that today in our time? They want God according to their own convenience. They want to use God in the box. Give me this, give me that, fix my marriage, fix my family, fix this, fix my work, all these things. God is not God that way. He does that because that is his nature. Don't make God your servant. Be, your, be God's servant and take a command from God, what thou hast for me to do. He's the potter, let him be the potter. Don't make him a clay. And you become a potter and order God what you want to be shaped like. Yesterday, day before yesterday, I was having my devotion. 
and I was pondering on the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter, James, and John, Jesus took, and Elijah and Moses came. This is the thought came. It was mind-boggling. Peter was so clouded, so clouded with three tabernacles, he missed the glory of Christ. He missed the conversation between Elijah and Moses, and they were talking about Cummings' crucifixion. He missed everything because he was clouded with his own thinking. How many people are like that in the church? They clouded with their own thinking when they come and they want to put everything in their own perspective. And they miss the glory of Christ. The lady in the church, this illustration, was sitting in the front. And whenever pastor was hitting the point, she would put the, she would do like this all the time, all the time. So pastor was really puzzled. I said, what in the world she's doing? So after the sermon was over, pastor went to the lady and said, ma'am, I'm puzzled. When I was hitting the point and the application, you all the time, he said, can you tell me what is? He said, pastor, that was a very good teaching, but not for me, but the people who are around me. He left the glory and he came. And then John chapter 17, verse 24, this is what Jesus said, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me with me where I am that they may behold my glory. Which thou hast given me for thou lovest me before the foundation of this world. Oh, my Lord, what is desire for me and you that one day we will share, we will behold his glory. Aren't you homesick, my friends? Aren't you homesick? I am homesick. That I will behold the glory of my Lord who loved me and died for me I'm waiting to just behold his glory. All the former old things will pass away and will be changed into his likeness. If you have no hope like this, friends, you are in a wrong place. Son of God, forsook. The worship of the angels. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that when he took off and incarnated, he forsook the worship of the angels? And he submitted himself to the misunderstanding and the denial and unbelief and false accusations and every sort of reviling and the persecution of the wicked man 
he took off he took off and he submitted to the misunderstanding you are illegitimate child that what they say to jesus you are a child of fornicator that kind of accusation they spit on his face they pull his hair they could have worshiped him but their eyes were blind the god of this age have blinded the minds of the unbelievers they would not behold the glory <clears throat> he gave up all the shining brilliance of heaven to suffer an agonizing death on the cross so you and i would not go there it was not that he forfeited his divine glory but he rather that he was it was hidden from the all humanity even his own half brothers did not recognize him john writes in chapter 7 verse 5 his own brother did not believe the glimpses of the glory the glimpses of his glory were seen on his many miracles and the gracious words in his humble attitude that paul calls philippians to follow him let this mind be also in you which was in christ jesus beloved salvation is much more than going to heaven salvation don't be satisfied praise god that he destroys the power and the fear of death and because of him your names are written in the lamb's book of life that is done deal but we have to demonstrate that salvation in our daily life no wonder paul says let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus Paul writes we are the living letter of Christ living letters people read us friends people read us it was briefly and partially manifested to Peter James and John Peter absolutely missed it but it was not witnessed again until the resurrection and the ascension of the lord so first thing when he emptied himself when he made himself of no reputation that means he took off his divine glory momentarily and then he was be glorious secondly secondly when jesus emptied himself of independent divine authority his divine authority the operation of the trinity is of a great mystery within the godhead there is perfect harmony and agreement in every possible way and degree jesus unambiguously stated his full equality with the father when he declared i and my father are one you know my friends let me say it again and make a point jesus made himself of no reputation that means he 
himself, he left the independent divine authority. Now, follow me this. What happened in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting, who came to Jesus? Tempter, Satan. What did he say? What did he say? If you are God, when it is as if, that means since you are God, he recognized. Satan recognized Jesus is God. If you are God, turn this stone and make a bread and eat. What was he telling Jesus? Use your authority. You are God. Use your authority and turn this stone into the bread. What he was telling, you can use your independent authority. Jesus declined because he did not want to use his own authority because he said, I and my father are one. He didn't want to go against the father because he came to fulfill father's will. Remember that in John chapter 4 verse 34. John chapter 4 verse 34. Turn with me please. John chapter 4 verse 34. Sorry. John chapter 4, verse 34. Thank you. If he did independently, he would not have done. He came to fulfill. He came to fulfill. And then, you know, John chapter 6, verse 38, you don't have to turn, but I would like to read for you. For I came down from heaven, not to do the will of mine, but to will who has sent me. He did not act independently. He did not act independently. Friends, he said that in John chapter 5, verse 30, I can do nothing on my own, I can do nothing on my own initiative. I do not seek my own will, but the will of him. Oh, beloved, this is my Lord and your Lord, Jesus Christ. Who he was, who he is, and who he will be. You can trust him. You can depend on his word. You know, Charles Wesley put it so beautifully. And I asked Sherry to uh, turn, turn, him, just, just, let, turn with me to hymn, hymn number 132, I think. 135. And the second verse.